0: Welcome to Industry seating. It is Sunday. Just got back from, well, last night. Got back from Denver. Pretty nice day. My fantasy team did not have a great day, but that's okay. Still was an awesome day of racing. Weather was phenomenal. Really not much more you could ask for. Obviously, if you had a bad day as a rider, you could ask for more. But as a fan, there there were plenty of people there. They did have a cap for how many people they allowed in. But it was nice to see some normal-looking racing. And I didn't phrase that very well, but you know what I mean? Like just walking around the event, sitting alongside the track, it looked fairly normal. Now it looked not very well attended, but that was on purpose. They had a, an attendance cap. I think it was maybe 5,000. I can't remember what it ended up at. I think it moved a couple times, but it seemed like a normal event. The pits were closed. So there were no people, people in there, but just looking around the track. I wouldn't have thought it was this crazy 2020 that we've had going on. And before we get too far into the racing, I want to thank this of this podcast Pirelli Tires, pump Creek Funding, Blends Oils, Works Connection, Premier Vapor Blasting, 612 Suspension, Fast Foundry, new for this week, Risk Racing. We'll talk about those guys in a little bit, and Fly Racing. But in the 250 class, I feel like it's been what we've expected. The second moto had a little bit of drama, but it just felt like Dylan Fernandes' series for me. We ever since we left Spring Creek, and it's been it was been back and forth before that. And we've covered that over this podcast in recent weeks. But when Dylan Fernandes was able to go into Jeremy Martin's backyard and go one one to me, that was really the, the signal that, hey, I'm the best guy, and it's going to take some sort of catastrophe for me to not be the champion of this series, and when you do something like that, when you go to a person's track, and when I say their track, I mean their parents own the track, and you go beat them twice, and you're battling for a championship, I don't know what else more you can ask of someone, so yes, of course, there are 18 motos in this series, and lots of things can happen, and that's why we go racing, but It seems like it's played out that way ever since then. And yesterday in in the second moto, Dylan's comeback went a long ways. And then on the other side of that, I felt like in that situation, Jeremy Martin has to get to the front. If you want to be the champ in this series, you've got to win motos like that. When your championship contender or your rival, I should say, is on the ground, you know, and I don't know whether J-Mark could could tell that he had crashed or where he was or what the pit board was telling him or – if he had him marked and then could see that he was way back, you never really know what's going on. Most of the time, you can you can kind of see them at some point further back, or the mechanic will tell you, like, 14 down, you know, got to win. But regardless, when you know you're ahead of Dylan Ferrandes and there's only a few motors left, you have to win when you're behind Justin Cooper in that spot. And I'm sure he knows that. I'm sure he was trying with every ounce of, of effort he had, but he was unable to get it done, and you just start looking – over the course of a series, little moments like that, you know, spring Creek and then how dominant he was at WW ranch. And then again, this weekend, the comeback ride, and then Jeremy unable to get around Justin Cooper for the win in that second moto. And these things just cumulatively add up. And that's how you get a championship lead of what is it? 18 points going into the final round. I believe it's 18. So great job by Dylan Ferranis we should all commend him. And, and let's not hand him the trophy yet. We still have one more race. But when you look at Dylan Ferrandis, we're going into the final round of the series on a track that he rides week in and week out. This is the home practice track of Monster Star Yamaha. They convene there every single week and they all do motos together. And there are a whole gaggle of Monster Star Yamaha riders there between the pro side and the amateur side. And they all moto together there. So to think that, He's going to have an off day or not be fast enough or whatever is is very unlikely. It's going to take some sort of big crash, first-term pileup, mechanical failure, something to wrangle this championship away from him. And I personally just don't see it. I think this is, for all intents and purposes, over. And Dylan Brandes is going to be your deserving champion. So great job by Dylan. He went out with a bang as far as Thunder Valley, and he's just got one more to lock this thing down. Now watch, something crazy will happen, and I'll look like a moron but I just like the way this thing's trending for Dylan. Now for j like I said, he had an opportunity. Now three points, a three-point difference is not probably going to be championship deciding. I understand, right? Just because Jmart won that second moto, you know, it would be a 15-point gap instead of an 18-point gap. I get it, but it's kind of the, the way this series has gone, you know, when Jmart Mart has had to make it happen you know both of those motos at Spring Creek he had to get them and again just like at Thunder Valley he was trying he was doing everything possible you could you can see the effort in his riding you could see the urgency you know in his body language and the way he was attacking the track it was just not quite enough and i think that's going to be the story when we look back on this championship in a few years it was he's just a tick off he was just a couple of percent away from winning another championship. And conversely, Dylan Franis was just a little bit better. So a good day for J-Mart overall, nothing to be upset about. I mean, he certainly rode well. He's just up against a great rider. And, and I don't want to say a generational rider because I would be, I think that's going a bit too far. But in this 250 class right now, I think Dylan Franis, with the experience he has globally and just the, the form he's on, as well as how dominant that Monster Star Yamaha machinery is, I think he's just the best guy in the 250 series at the moment, period. And, and we've seen that building. We saw that in Supercross, certainly. We, we've seen that all summer long. So congratulations to Dylan. And we'll see how this thing plays out at the final round. But uh, he's been he's been impressive to me. I knew he was good. I knew he would probably win this series. But at times, I think this summer, he's really proven that he will be ready to take the next step next year going into the 450 class. But back to J-Mart, I kind of got off on a tangent on Dylan again. But back to J-Mart, you know, it would have been nice for him to win this series because I know he is in contract negotiations right now. Whether he stays at Geico or wherever he ends up, whether it's on a 250 or a 450, winning a championship would give him leverage. And that's what it's all about. When you don't have a guaranteed contract for 2021, you need all the leverage you can get. Now, is he going to get a ride? Absolutely. I cannot envision a scenario where he does not have a contract for 2021. The difference is that number could be significantly better if you have a championship to wave in front of a prospective team. So that's really what it comes down to. You know, J-Mart has done very well for himself. He's been racing successfully for a long time. He has championships. He has a ton of race wins. All the points that Steve Mathis would make to poo-poo that dealership story, and that's okay. J-Mart should not have to apologize for being successful. But if you're wanting to maximize your earnings for 2021 and maybe lock in a 450 deal in the process, which I'm sure he's looking at doing, you know, he wants to get that 450 job security moving forward. That championship would go a long way to doing that. But again, he's up against it. 18 points, one round to go on a track that, that the points leader knows like the back of his hand and on what seems like it's, the bike has such a big advantage over everybody. It's a really hard obstacle to overcome on top of it. Then add in the fact that Jmart is up against several monster star Yamahas. You know, he has so many, uh, Ferandes has so many teammates to deal with and they just keep adding them. You know, Nate Thrasher was added to the fold this, this past weekend. I don't know if Ty Masterpool will be back or not, but then you throw in the likes of Justin Cooper and Shane McElrath and on and on and on. It just seems like a very daunting task because even if Ferrandis went down, You're talking about another three or four guys that Monster Star Yamaha could flag down and say, hey, you have to let Ferrandez buy. You have to. And that just makes life that much easier for Dylan Ferrandis. So not the best scenario going into the final round for J-Mart, but I'm sure he knows that. I'm sure he's he's hoping against hope for a miracle, but the writing's on the wall here. And uh, overall, it's been a a really nice bounce-back series for J-Mart and something he should be proud of and something he can build from. Coming off a big injury, he now has momentum going into – whichever series he signs up for in 2021. Justin Cooper, he won. Pretty awesome. I mean, that's really the rides we've been looking for all summer. You know, I, Supercross was not good. You know, that those Salt Lake rounds were, were not really good at all. And then he had that boxer's fracture, which set him back even further. And, and the first few rounds of the series were just pretty terrible. And I hate to say that because he's, you know, he was doing way better than I ever did. But just looking at it objectively for what we expected, and that was to be a championship contender and to be winning races out of the shoot. He wasn't doing that. So everybody that wants to freak out but Oh, you can't say he's doing terrible. Listen, it's what it's within reason, right? It's, it's comparatively to winning races, you know, getting ninth place in a moto at spring Creek is not good for Justin Cooper. Was it good for, you know, a mid pack guy, of course, but that's who, not who we're grading against. So sorry, I have to qualify that, but You just get people that take things out of context and want to clip a phrase out of there to make it mean something that it certainly doesn't. But it was nice to see him back on form. That's the kind of riding Justin Cooper, you know, what we expect. And that's why Monster Star Yamaha signed him up to stay as the, the leader, what I would perceive the leader of that team moving forward. And then, of course, he takes his dog up on the podium. And then that sparked a whole battle between he and Jet Lawrence, which is still ongoing. If you have not seen that it's on their Instagram stories. They've been going back and forth and it's, uh, I don't say it's getting out of control, but certainly went from playful to not so playful, but, uh, I'm here for that. I am here for very talented, wealthy youngsters wanting to take their, uh, their drama to social media. I'm in on that. So, uh, sign me up as immature and, um, it's word I'm looking for elementary as that sounds, I guess that'll work. I'm here for it. I love to see it because it's, it's so silly, but it's still funny. Cracks me up and, and really no one's going to do anything about it. It's not like they're going to go fight or something, but maybe they'll take each other out or do something crazy. That'd be fun to watch. But anyway, good job from Justin Cooper. He deserves a lot of credit for bouncing back and I'm sure it's been a frustrating summer. I don't think it's very fun for a guy who expects to be winning, to be riding around in you know, seven, eight, nine and moving backwards. That's not fun to come in and and have to face your team and your mechanic and your family and everybody uh, because you're definitely a disappointment. Not really to them. I, I don't think that's the case. I think just to yourself. And I know from personal experience that riders are harder on themselves than anybody else can be on them. The pressure they are putting on themselves to perform and the disappointment they feel when they do poorly is much worse than anybody else could possibly apply. So, uh, I'm sure it's been a tough summer from Justin Cooper in that aspect. Hunter Lawrence, great job. I don't want to say it's about time because I know, you know, the shoulder injury that he suffered at Loretta Lynn's. I think that was a big problem. He wasn't able to practice. But it is nice to see him back on form. Unfortunately, it was not on a weekend that I had him on my fantasy team. But still, great job and great riding. And he's showing the form that got him that Geico ride and brought him to the United States in the first place. It couldn't be better timing because I know he is in the same situation that Jeremy Martin is in, where he is trying to stay on the Geico Honda team as they go through some some team changes. But rides like that will do a world of good for him because he needs to convince the Geico Honda ownership and you know American Honda that he is worth the investment. He is worth keeping and paying all that you know all the salaries and expenses and everything that go along with that. So battling for podiums. That solidifies all of that talk, and it, it even if you were kind of on the fence, it just goes, yeah, we need to keep him. He's only 20 years old, and look, he can he can do this. He's hurt, but he's still got it. So uh, I think that was a, a great ride at a great time for Hunter Lawrence, and I think you'll see more of that at Paula. Remember, Paula was a track last year. He was moving forward and trying to battle for the lead and then had that big crash. So I think, uh, I think we'll see him at the front and near the podium again in uh, six days' time. Overall for the title, I mean, as I said, I kind of already covered that, but just to put a bow on this 250, it was really and still is all about the veterans of this class. Now, there is a youth movement coming, but I think we can all agree it's been all about experience this summer. If you look at the guys at the front, it's been Dylan Ferrandis, it's been Jeremy Martin, it's been Shane McElrath, it's been Alex Martin, all those guys are old. RJ Hampshire, I should have added RJ in there too. He's not as old, but he's been around for, for quite a while now. You know, you're talking about your average age of that lead group is probably over 25 years old. You know, for a 250 class, that's pretty old. When you look at MX2 in Europe, they age out at 23 at a mandatory move. So we'll see how that, that changes for 2021 because I do think the youth is coming. You look at who is leaving. Jeremy Martin? quite possibly leaving. Dylan Ferrandez, definitely leaving. Shane McElrath, most likely leaving. So you just keep going down the list of guys that are up there now that are not going to be in this class for next year. That's going to present more opportunities for guys like Hunter Lawrence, guys like Jet Lawrence, guys like Justin Cooper. And you just go on and on and on of guys that can be up there. Maybe Ty Masterpool. I don't know what his 2021 contract status is, but you just think about all of the younger kids that have the potential to run up there you know we'll see Austin Forkner back and we'll see some of these you know some of the guys that have been hurt we'll see them return to the fold. And these guys are super young and they have the ability to be up there. So I think that's going to be the next evolution of this class is that the youth is going to start making more of a dent in this series than we saw really in 2020. It's just been I don't want to say unfair because it is a national series, but trying to compare Jet Lawrence running around on the podium at 17 years old versus Dylan Ferrandez, who's been racing globally for 10 years. It's not really a fair comparison. He should not be able to really battle with him in a, you know, nine race series. And he's not, he's not, but to ask him to is asking a lot. So, um, that's what I see. I see the youth on the horizon and it's, that's cool. That's a, that's a very positive sign for the state of motocross in America is that we have all of this youth that is about to show up. Pirelli tires is the title sponsor of this podcast, the industry seating podcast. You can go to Pirelli.com and then click on tires and then go moto, moto, tires and check out all of the new items they have to offer. You can also go to their Instagram, which is at PirelliMX, and learn a little bit about a little bit more about what they have going on. Now, the main tires they have, what you need to look at, they have the Scorpion MX soft. So if you ride in the sand all the time and you want that scoop tire that is helping these guys rip starts, not so much this weekend, those guys didn't use it, but at a track like WW ranch, they certainly did. That's the Scorpion MX soft the Scorpion MX 32 Midsoft, That's the tire I use all the time. That's the one. If, if you were asking me, Hey, I ride on loamy tracks, you know, normal tracks, you know, not super rocky or anything like that. Just middle America, the tracks that most people ride on. That's the, that's the tire you want. But if you are going to ride on a track, that's super hard pack, or you're in the North, you know, Northeast where you have all these rocky conditions, you could try that MX 32 mid hard as well, but check out Pirelli.com and Pirelli MX on Instagram. And the link, there's a link in the bio to sign up for their rider support programs as well. Thank you to Pirelli for being on board. Now clean bikes just go faster. And the new pro glow line of power sports cleaning solutions will get your equipment looking sharp in no time. Try the degreaser for those grimy, greasy surfaces. And the power sports wash can take off just about anything you can throw at it. I use it and so should you. I used it last weekend. Those of you that listen to the podcast all the time, know that I use it on my Yamaha FZ09 last weekend and took off all that street grime. That stuff's nasty. But you can use the code MOTO15 and get 15% off your order at www.goproglow.com. Thank you to ProGlow Wash for being on board. Blends all oils. Michael Essie won again. This guy is, I think he's ageless. I remember racing Michael Essie in 2004 at his first national at Millville. That's 16 years ago. He's still out there racing though. He won the two-stroke race at Glen Helen this weekend. He's racing a blends YZ125. If you hadn't noticed, it's all blends graphics all over it. And uh, he is Michael Essie's title sponsor over there. But the guys at blends are working on some new products. Pretty excited to see those roll out, but they're just, they're all in on this thing. And you can go on at blends on their Instagram to learn more. You can check out all the products they have to offer for two strokes and four strokes. This is a brand steeped in motocross heritage, obviously going back into all sorts of other things too. If you went to some old school racetracks around the country, whether it's off-road or on-road, you probably see blends all stickers on trash cans and on walls and stuff. That's really cool. That means they, these brands are established going back generations. And now they really want to connect with the younger generation and show them what they have to offer because, you know, there was a, a lull there where they kind of fell out of the limelight and, If you're under, you know, 30 years old, you probably don't know much about Blenzol. So the team over there is trying to change that and they are trying to help everyone learn about the products that they have to offer. So check it out. also wanna thank Plum Creek Funding. The message for this week, if you are eligible for a VA loan, right? If you were in the military, you were in the military or have any association with the military, you are eligible for a VA refinance or home mortgage. Guess what? You can get a 30 year fix for 2.25%. That's insane. That's crazy. Like, you know, you know how cheap that is? And, and, you know, people say if you run or learn about finance or anything, they always say how cheap money is. And I remember the first time I heard that saying, and I was much less informed than I am now. And I was like, what, what the hell are you talking about? Money is cheap. But that's exactly what it means to go borrow money, it's really cheap you almost can get it for less than inflation. You know, inflation's eh, about one, one and a quarter percent these days they are trying to get it up to two. But if you're in the VA and you can get a home loan for 2.25%, that's almost just the price of inflation. That is a crazy good deal. So check out Plum Creek Funding. Zach's cell phone number is 720-212-4685. And you can go to at Plum Creek Funding on Instagram to reach out to him for more. But a lot of the listeners of this podcast have already saved a ton of money. Steve Mathis of Pulp Max fame is going through mortgages on a rental home and his personal home as we speak. So, there is something to it. I've already gone through the process to save me $64,000 over the course of my loan. So, I know from experience how good the process can be and how easy it can be, especially if you just get to streamline it through your already existing mortgage program. It literally takes a couple signatures and you're done. I Also want to thank Works Connection. Go to worksconnection.com. That Pro Launch start device getting more whole shots this weekend. Monster Star Yamaha, that's what they use. You know that, right? Check out At Worst Connection on their Instagram. They actually have a video, IGTV video, that explains how to apply and install the Pro Launch Start device. So you can get good starts too. And I'm going to have a little tie-in here with one of our new sponsors that you can use that Pro Launch Start device with. Also, if you just got a brand-new bike, the 21s are out. Get that TAC hour meter so you can keep track of when you need to service your brand-new bike. Premier Vapor Blasting. Premier Vapor Blasting was voted number one for your vapor Blasting needs. It is the safest method in surface restoration. It does not compromise product integrity like many other traditional methods might. But not only is it safe on items like rubber and plastic, it is gentle enough to clean your radiators too. If you mention this podcast, industry Seating, you get a 25% discount and... I did it again today. I went back and looked at their Instagram and every time they post a product and that's, I mean, that's the way it should be. If you're going to post something, the work that you've done, you better knock it out of the park. And every single time I look at their Instagram, I see something new that I'm, that I I almost think it's some sort of voodoo or black magic because they've taken some 25 year old part and made it look like it's brand new. And that seems to be all the rage right now. A couple of my buddies have started companies that are into bike restorations which is pretty cool. I've seen some of the work they do, and, and they do a really good job. But if you are into that, if you're going to take one of your old bikes or go buy an old bike and restore it, reach out to Premier Ripper Blasting and have that thing look like new, and you get a 25%, 25% discount. 612 Suspension, full-service suspension company. They are affiliated with Racetech, so you know you're getting quality work and parts, and it really doesn't matter what you have. You could have a UTV. You could have an off-road bike. You could have a moped. You could have a dual sport bike. You could have a street bike, like me. You could have anything. And 612 suspension can make it work to the best of its ability. Get your oil changed, get a revalve with Race Tech. Just have that thing working well. And the biggest thing I would tell you is it keeps you safer, too. The better your bike handles, the less chance you will have of crashing. And that's one thing I learned. Well, I learned many things racing professionally for a long time. But when things go sideways, when you hit a bump wrong, when you're not expecting something to happen, If your bike handles very, very well, your chances of crashing are much less. So that should be enough reason right there to check out 612 Suspension. Go to at 612 Suspension on Instagram and 612suspension.com. Now let's talk about 450 racing a little bit. I'll come back to the sponsors in a few more minutes, but pretty good day. I mean, it was exciting at least, you know, the, the first moto was the Adam Cincerello show. Great job by him. Really impressive ride and kind of what he needed to do. I mean, that's exactly what the doctor ordered for Adam Cincerillo. And then, you know, we were kind of wondering how it was going to shake out because in between motos, AC has all this momentum, and Zach Osborne has some sort of foot injury, and I I was trying to get information. I didn't want to go bother him. I, I certainly could have gone over there and poked my head in, but I wanted to stay out of the way. Our team, you know, our fly racing team was already over there. But he was he was hurting a little bit. He uh, I think he, he got hit in the second corner, just in melee. It always happens. People are bouncing off of each other in the early laps, and uh, bruised his foot. So he had to uh, get some physical therapy and you know ice and all that stuff, and um, just try to manage the pain going into that second moto. And you know the lead had been cut from twenty nine to twenty two. Adam had done a great job there, and you you're, you're kind of thinking like man, if, if Zach has a tough time in the second moto, let's say he just has to cruise around to like a 10th place finish. You know, Adam could cut this thing down to, to 10 points or so. Like it could really get dicey here going into the final round. And this, it just like the seesaw battle we have going back and forth, but, Zach was able to fight through it. I think the adrenaline was was helping him quite a bit in that second moto just in the face of knowing that exact scenario where you don't want to go into that final round where it's where it's close and it's anybody's championship. He was able to fight through, and, and he actually was able to beat Adam in a pretty crazy battle. You know, Adam almost crashed his brains out on that. He hit that kicker where Barsha crashed, went off the track, almost crashed. Well, and to be fair, he almost crashed several times I mean it was a I don't want to say it was a sketchy day for Adam because I, I love Adam sincereal make no mistake about that but there were he almost crashed a bunch of times and you could just tell he was pushing he was pushing the limit he was giving it every ounce of effort he could to where he was putting himself in precarious situations and you know I, I like to see the effort you know did it, it well I'm gonna say it didn't work out for him but he didn't really crash he saved most of those. He had a really solid day. He was second overall. You know, it was pretty good overall. It just, he needed to beat Zach in that second moto. You know, he could have cut it there to, to 20 points instead of going back to 25. And all the momentum he had gained in the first moto, Zach kind of recouped that in the second moto. So nice back and forth battling. You can really see just the resiliency and these guys' ability to kind of overcome adversity back and forth, right? You know, Zach had just an unbelievable day at at WW Ranch, and Adam lost some points, and then you see Adam come storming back in that first moto at Thunder Valley, and then Zach has to respond in the second moto, and it's just back and forth we go. But luckily for Zach Osborne, he has that points cushion. That's really the difference. You know, he doesn't have this – this pressure to perform every single moto he has a little bit more cushion where if things aren't going perfectly he doesn't have to take huge chances you know in that first moto when he was hurting his ankle was you know basically killing him he said he was able to just back it off a little bit and and bring it home and I think what he get fifth in that first moto so he could uh, fourth in that first moto. he didn't have to go way into this you know, way past his pain threshold and, and who knows what was possible, right? If that's the last moto of the year and he's got to ride faster than that, maybe it's possible, but that's what a points lead does for you is it gives you that ability to, man, I just got to back it down here a little bit and I'll get, I'll get work done and get some, some therapy and, and you know, take some, um, you know, non-narcotic pain medication in between motos or whatever to help for that second moto. But uh, interesting day between those two and just the psychological battle that's kind of going on, and you see those two responding to each other's uh, good and bad motos each weekend. Eli Tomac, I mean, that was that's the guy we've been looking for all summer. You know, that's the guy that late in the motos just has more speed than everybody else. I think he's really just kind of raced his way back a little bit. You know, it's taken, what, two months to get there because really all you can – all you can really point to is he took a lot of time off this summer. You know, he won that Supercross championship. That was, you know, June 21st or whatever it was. And then I think he just chilled for a while. And that's within reason, right? He probably did some mountain biking, probably rode some. I'm sure he had to test some too. But I don't think it was this heroic Herculean effort that we're, we're used to seeing from Eli Tomac where he comes in just... It's like it's impossible for him to get tired, and no one seems to be able to go faster than him late in the motos and all, yada, yada, yada. I, I just didn't see that really at any point early in the summer. And we saw a little bit of that lately. You know, that second moto at WW Ranch, we saw it. Then we saw more of it at Colorado, and we'll probably see more of it at Paula. And I think he's just raced his way back to the form that he's used to. You know, it wasn't done preemptively, it wasn't done in the time off, which is what you're supposed to do. So you come in prepared but all of the racing week after week after week has just brought his level back up. And now you're seeing the Eli Tomac that would be capable of winning this championship. Keep in mind, he had two DNFs at Loretta Lins too. That's not on him, right? He lost a ton of points at that race. So if you give him those points back, he's right in this championship hunt, but that's part of racing. You know, you, you have to be easy on your motorcycle. You can't just hammer the clutch like he, he likes to do. And uh, that's been an ongoing theme for him, right? If conditions are very difficult, you can always see his bike smoking. And he, he struggles with uh, just kind of keeping the bike cool. And that, that's nothing new for Eli Tomac. So at a, at a race like Red Lens 2, when you know you have to preserve your bike, he wasn't able to do that. So, of course, you want your, you know the blame, some of the blames on the team for not you know, maintaining the bike to where it would finish those motos, but a lot of that's on Eli too. I, I think it's um the rider has to be very conscious of the load that's being put on the motorcycle. So good to see Eli back. Good win for him. Great second moto. And I think, you know, the, the rumor that was flying around for about three minutes was that he was gonna let Adam back around. Right. He was going to give those points back to Adam. But that was not to be. It was uh, some sort of clutch. I guess there was dirt in um, Eli's clutch assembly or something going on there, uh, just hearing from some of the, the Monster Kawasaki guys. And then once he got that sorted out, you could see him fiddling with the clutch in, the, in a couple corners and in the air. Once he got that sorted, he was, he was out of there. He took back off, and uh, as much as Adam wanted to, to hang in there, it was not meant to be, and Eli kind of rode off into the sunset. Now, the interesting part was then when Adam tried to pass Zach back, and then he jumped off the track. That could have been really ugly there. If he if he comes in and he's you know five feet further down the track, he he t-bones Zach there, and then all hell breaks loose. Um, but yeah, Eli had already kind of checked out, and Eli back on track with uh, his second overall of the year. And it would not surprise me at all to see him win win Paula as well, because I don't think you're going to see Zach take huge chances. Um, you know, the the real question is, will Zach? go for it in that first moto, because this is the situation. It's a 25 point lead. And if Zach beats Adam Cincerillo in that first moto, it's over. Now, I don't know if he's going to be able to, I don't know if he's going to be wanting to take the risk to push the pace to where Adam's going to go because Adam's on great form right now. And you know, Adam's going to be top three. I think we can pretty much guarantee that the way he's riding, he will be at the front between his starts and his pace. It's hard to envision a scenario where Adam's not battling for one of the front positions. So for Zach to beat him, he's gonna have to be willing to go for it. There's just no other way around that. And only Zach can answer whether he's willing to push it. Is he willing to take chances and go for the win and and go to beat Adam and, and seal the deal in the first moto? Because if he beats him in the first moto, the championship's done. It's that simple. It's basic math. So that's what to watch for. When when that gate drops in the first four fifty moto. The championship could be over right then and there. I would bet against it. I think Adam will be willing to take more chances. I think Zach will be wanting to play a little bit safer. But Zach's a pretty—he's uh, a pretty stubborn dude. He may want to go out and and take it to these guys and prove why he uh, why he has that red plate. So we'll just have to to watch that play out. But uh, great racing between those three. They were kind of gone. Um, there was really nobody really even around those three, they, they pretty much had checked out on everybody. And I don't know that that'll be the same for, uh, for Paula, but it certainly was the situation for Thunder Valley. Barsha was up there in the, the first moto trying to chase Baggett down or excuse me, trying to chase, uh, Osborne down. Um, you know, you could see Zach hurting. You you see Barsha kind of smelled blood in the water, but he just couldn't get to him. And then the second moto, he crashed big in that same spot where Adam was having difficulties And I don't really understand that. Like that, that rut was so nasty and it had that huge kicker. I don't know if it was deteriorating lap by lap and they just, you know, one lap, it was okay. And the next lap, it was horrible and they weren't prepared for it. Or if they were just kind of zoned out, like they weren't thinking clearly, like, because that, that can happen. You can get into this tunnel vision mode where you're kind of in the zone. You're just going through the motions, but you're not really thinking clearly. Like you're not, analyzing the track and thinking about, should I change my line? You know, where are other guys going? Are they, is there a place where I could be changing my line and go faster or smoother? You're just kind of going through the same line lap after lap. And I've been in both scenarios, right? Sometimes you're just acutely aware of the things around you and you're like, man, they're killing me here. I got to move and change my line. And you're looking around to find out all these things that are going on in the, the, your periphery. And then there's other times where you are just locked into what you're doing. You pick stupid lines and you don't really know why. And you keep going back to the same blown out rut, lap after lap, and you don't really know why. So that could have been the case. Maybe Barsha just was like, you know, he knew the line was there and just railed through the rut. And it's like, oh boy. But we'd have to, I'd love to hear that from him of, of what was going through his mind of why he would choose that line because literally every single person that hit that rut almost crashed. Uh, so maybe that was the first time he hit it. Um, but yeah, he and Adam Cincirillo were having a tough time and Zach too. I should text Zach and ask him what was going on that with that rut because he hit the same, same line too, and almost crashed, but interesting dynamic there. And then he was, uh, Barsha was done for the day after that. He ended up pulling off after that big crash. Baggett, uh, not a bad first moto. He was trying to chase Barsha down and, uh, he's been struggling with a hand and a wrist issue for a long time. Um, and then the second moto, he just decided not to ride. I don't know if he heard it in the moto. I I didn't talk to the team, but, uh, clearly it was bothering him enough where he decided to not go back out for that second moto, which is pretty disappointing. Uh, so we'll see what his status is for, uh, for the final round. You never really know what's going to happen there. If, if it's really bothering him that bad, you almost kind of look at it and go, is it worth going back out there? But on the other end of that coin, you have sponsorship obligations and, you know, there's a lot of things contractually and financially with team stuff to make you say, man, I, I have to get back out there because we need to get, uh, we need to get paid from these sponsors. We need to finish these races and, and all these people that make this racing happen. We need to, uh, we need to show up for them. So just watch for that. I, I don't have any answers for you, but I've been around those situations enough to know that it can go either way. They could just pack it in and call it a year, or they could just you know, basically Forrest could call him up and beg him to go, uh, go out there one more time. So we'll see. Justin Bogle better, right? That was a better ride. I mean, it's not the race, you know, the moto winning form that he had in 2017, but it's certainly not the 20th place guy that we saw at certain points this summer and, you know, last summer and the summer before. So I think he'll take that. He was in the top 10, both motos. He wasn't quite fast enough to beat, a his former teammate, Benny Bloss, but that's okay. I think it was a step forward for him. I I think he would take that progress. And, uh, you know, he's another guy that's, I'm sure he's hoping to race in 2021, but he's going to have to find a landing spot. He's going to have to find someone who believes in him that he can get back to the form that he's shown in previous years. And that's, I don't think that's going to be an easy, an easy conversation. I don't think that's going to be an easy argument to win because he's had a lot of opportunity. He's on, he's been on factory bikes for a very long time on a lot of different teams and it hasn't really worked out lately. You know, he's, he's doing okay. It's not like getting in the top 10 is terrible by any means, but at the same time, there are a lot of riders that all need jobs right now. And I can't imagine that Justin Bogle is at the top of that list just based off of recent results. So watch to see where, uh, where Justin Bogle ends up. I would not be shocked if he didn't return for 2021, I'm not predicting that by any means, but I just, I've I've seen situations like this where it's going to be really difficult. You don't have a home, you don't have great equipment, and you're going to have to go out on your own. And you just look at it and say, is this really worth doing? Um, That's, that's a decision that pretty much every rider faces in their career. I mean, look at Chad Reed, a legend like that has had to face a situation like that. So uh, that's probably what we'll be facing uh, Justin Bogle coming in the next few months. Marvin Muskan, I don't know what, what was going on. I, I don't know what he was doing. I heard maybe he had a crash during the week this week, but I I can't confirm that. But I know he wasn't riding very well. He did not look good at any point throughout the day, really at all. I mean, ever, not one time was I watching him. I mean, he, he got the whole shot in the one moto, but he, he immediately went backwards. I think he was like in fifth by the end of the first lap and then proceeded to go even further backwards from there. So something certainly happened in between WWE Ranch and Thunder Valley because we saw him battling for the win at WWE Ranch, and then he was just nowhere near the same guy at, uh, at Thunder Valley. So maybe he'll bounce back. Maybe it was just uh, being sore. I don't know. Maybe we'll, uh, we'll get to the bottom of that hopefully in the, in the coming days and have some answers as uh, the week rolls on and we do these articles and shows and all these things. We, we learn more and then are able to share more. I also want to thank Fast Foundry for coming on board this podcast. Now, they are a tech solutions company. They've worked with all kinds of Fortune 500 companies, startups, as I said, established companies, but they can help you automate. They can help you update. They can help you get efficient. Everything in 2020 is about getting more efficient, getting your company down to its fighting weight. And what do I mean by that, right? If you're in an industry that has been hard hit. And most industries have been hard hit. That's, you know, COVID-19 has not been gentle to the business world. So you need to look at strengths and weaknesses, deficiencies, efficiencies. Just make sure you have your best forward. You can ask Fast Foundry how they can do that for you. They can speed up some of your processes. I've talked to them about lots of these things. and, And originally it was how, you know, we could help Western Power Sports and help those things. But that really led to, kind of sharing that with the motor industry because there are a lot of applications to this. Like I said, they worked with HP, they've worked with Mountain Dew, they've worked with Intel. They can do virtual events. They can do all kinds of things, right? And, and all of these, uh, you know, if you used to have big events at your company, guess what? That's probably all via Zoom now, which is crazy. I, I hate it. I love flying around and traveling the world, but for right now, that's not the world we live in. So reach out to Fast Foundry, 208-991-3320. Ask for Robert and see what they can do for your business. And like I said, it could be in a, a business that's been around for, you know, WPS is going on 60 years, or it could be a brand new startup, something that you thought of during COVID-19 that, hey, maybe you're going to change the world. Reach out to Fast Foundry and ask how they can help. New for this week, Risk Racing. That's right. Another new sponsor this week, and I'm super excited about it. I actually, I used a Risk Racing product in my career. I used the Whole shot RaceGate. And I like that it ties in with the works connection pro launch start device, because for all of you are wondering out there, man, I suck at starts and I don't get to practice them very well. And you know, for most people practicing starts is they just find a rut and they just do a million starts over and over. You don't have to do that. You can actually do the, you know, have exactly the same thing that you're going to face on race day with the whole shot race gate. It has a remote start. So, you know, if, if you have a buddy that wants to stand back there and drop the gate for you, It has a random timer so you can do it yourself. If you're riding by yourself at a local track or whatever and you need the timer set so you can do it yourself, you can do it that way, you can link multiple gates up so you and your buddies can practice starts, which is what a lot of the pro teams do. JGR does this. Troy Designs does this. They will use the Risk Racing whole Shot Race Gate and practice starts over and over with all their team guys. It's a pretty cool product. It's exactly what you're going to face on race day and you don't have to You know, have somebody dropping a rock, which is what I always had to do, right? Somebody dropping a rock or dropping a stick, pretending to be like a real race, you can do exactly the same thing and you can change the timing, you can do all kinds of things. And we've ever even have a promo code. You can save 15% by using the code JT money and it's JT dollar sign when you check out to get a 15% discount on the whole shot race gate. So Check out risk racing.com. They have all kinds of cool products over there. I just wanted to highlight that whole shot race gate because it's one I actually used and I know how great it works and how much it can help you get better starts on race day. Last but not least, I want to thank fly racing. I work there. I'll be in the office tomorrow. I've been out. Actually, I got to go see, uh, go see a few dealers on Friday, which is fun. I'll get to do that a little bit again before Paula but uh, we have a lot of new, exciting products out for 2021, and I want to thank Fire Racing for being a big part of my life and a great company to be a part of. So that's it for this week. Championship week next week, and I actually was not going to go to Paula, but since uh, there is a possible championship on the line, certainly we don't want to jinx anything, but anything's possible Is Zach Cosborne. He's right in there. You know, he has a 25-point lead, so hopefully things go our way. But uh, it'll be our first 450 motocross championship, so we want to be uh, in attendance for it and get some great footage and, and document the, uh, the occasion if it, if it happens, right? It's, it's racing. You never know what's going to happen. But uh, I will be there. And then I'll be back here on Sunday to uh, record another episode of Industry Seating. If you want to listen to the Patreon podcast, I do it every race morning. I did one. Uh, I actually did it Friday night this week. You can go to patreon.com slash industry seating and sign up for that. And it's just last minute rumors, advice, fantasy stuff that's going on, uh what weather's like, the things that are just happening because I'm around the the track and everything on Friday. You hear all this last minute stuff that maybe you didn't pick up on. Maybe we didn't even know about going on throughout the week that just happened, you know, if a guy crashed on Thursday practicing, you can hear about it on that Patreon podcast. So check that out. I appreciate everybody listening to Industry Seating. We are where I well I say we I am working on getting more equipment, so I'm going to get a phone line installed this off season and get other microphones so I can have uh, guests come over if they're in Boise and I can have a uh, call in guests. I'll set up a time where people can call in. I'll record those. So that's a part of the Patreon thing is it allows me to uh, have a way to, yeah, buy more equipment, invest in the podcast, make it better. So exciting things around the corner for that and certainly going into 2021. As far as supercross goes for 2021, I think the schedule is going to come out in the next couple of weeks. I've heard lots of rumors that are from good sources. So I would say eh, confirmed rumors. Let's go with that. And I think they're pretty close to a schedule. It's not completely done, but uh, it'll be interesting. It's going to be certainly different than the normal setup, the normal way things typically go in a supercross season. It's going to be different. But guess what? That's. We should be used to different by now. It's, it's 2020 and going into 2021. It will look more normal than 2020 Salt Lake did. I can promise you that. But it's not going to look like, say, Anaheim did and you know, in 2020. Uh, but I'm excited that they are this far along as far as uh, a Supercross schedule. The things I've seen and, and heard from them sound very promising. The NFL, as many issues as they're having with COVID-19, they're still moving along. They're still having fans at a lot of these events and that is a very promising sign for uh for Supercross in 2021. So, thanks everybody for listening. We will talk to you next weekend uh for the last round of uh, Lucas Holt Pro Motocross. See you.